life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Welcome to the Living Your Legacy podcast. Michelle Slaney Travato here. And today I wanted to share with you the backstory of living my own legacy. So it's going to be a solo episode, just me and you. And I thought I would let you in on my story. Now, many of you, if you followed the podcast, and for those of you who have, I want to share a great big thank you for being in our community and being the extraordinarily awesome people that you are. Um, along the way, I've alluded to bits and pieces of my legacy, but never actually told the whole story. Interestingly enough, every one of our guest speakers, everyone I've interviewed on the podcast, they've been told my story, but I've never told you. So I thought today... I would spend a little bit of time and do a shorter episode and share with you the backstory of my legacy and what we're working towards. Because there's nothing worse than hearing somebody say, well, you know, you should be doing this or that or on your own journey and then finding out that they're not even on the same journey or are not even doing anything similar to what you're doing. Nothing worse than an armchair philosopher, someone who, or an armchair quarterback, depending on which uh, analogy you like, someone who tells you all the things to do, but then themselves isn't doing any of it. So I thought I would spend a little time and go back in history, take you on a journey and walk you through what got me up to today and where we hope to go tomorrow. So let's get started. To quote Shannon Crotty, who was on both episodes 6 and 14, and if you haven't heard them, go back and check them. She said, the beginning of a legacy starts with a vision that won't leave you alone. And uh, my legacy, the legacy of my family, our legacy, began in 1999. Now that's a blast from the past. And it started there, although at the time I didn't know it. So... I got married to a wonderful man in 1998. Yep, we've been together almost a quarter of a century. Married will be this year, actually 2023. And uh, we were married just a year in 1999. We had just bought our first house. It was a teeny tiny 980 square foot house that was at the time of us purchasing it over 50 years old. And we had moved in and we were super excited to have a place that we could call our own and started thinking about having a family. And that discussion and those thought processes took us on quite a journey. So, you know, when people start thinking about having a family, they think about, you know, the fun of getting there and they think about 
you know, uh, the hopes of how easy it's going to be and that beautiful baby that they're going to have. And in our case, of course, we had all those thoughts, but it didn't work out that way. It led us on a four-year fertility journey uh, where we went heart in hand to many, many doctors, many doctors. And, you know, every time we left with more questions than we went in with, and ultimately we found out that we landed in the category of undiagnosed infertility. Let me tell you what that means. It means everything works. It just doesn't work together. So we have no reason why there were no children happening for us. Um, So we thought, well, let's look at some options. After that four-year journey, you know, what are we going to do? We really do want to be parents. Where are we going to go? And after doing some homework, and I'm glossing over this part for ease uh, and, and speed, Uh, we decided that we would pursue adoption. So we went through that process and uh, sometimes there's some myths out there about it, but it is actually a pretty extraordinary process. We got to find out things about ourselves that we didn't know. We talked a lot about the kinds of parents we want to be, and we felt that we were getting really prepared. And that's good for sure when you're going to have kids. And in 2004, our eldest joined our family. He was born in L.A. and we live in Canada and we had to fly down to get him. And, uh, you know, he he was extraordinary. We got him at 23 hours old. We took him from the hospital and we had this beautiful little baby boy. Now, unlike when you're having a baby, we did not have nine months to prepare. It was a very sudden thing. Like literally we had to drop everything and like be on multiple phones trying to get flights booked to get to L.A., to get this little fella, but we did. And, and it was amazing and hard. Parenting is hard. And anybody who tells you it isn't, um, is probably lying to you. We, around the six month mark with our son. And of course I I am an avid reader and a total keener. So I had the books on all the things that should be happening for your children and the developmental steps and when you should, they should sort of be appearing and what you could be looking for. And at about the six month mark, um, we began another four year journey um, because things weren't happening for our son the way the book said they should. Um, And we started following up with medical professionals again And this time, though, we were blessed with a pediatrician who was absolutely extraordinary. And we came in because I felt that he couldn't see very well. And you can't see me in podcast land, but I'm a glasses wearer and have been since I was nine. And some of the things that he was doing, I would do, uh, like really squinting and trying to locate things by sound versus vision. And that kind of led us into... Another great big journey going heart in hand, but this time it was with our precious bundle of joy in hand as well to find out the depth and breadth of his disabilities. And ultimately, again, with keeping confidence and privacy, his disabilities are big, they are all encompassing, and they are lifelong. So this is not something that's going to go away anytime soon. 
So we spent the next few years trying to decide what we wanted to do, being involved with lots of professionals around physio, um, occupational therapy. Many, many specialists were working with us on a variety of different areas in his life. I learned a lot of medical terms I had never heard before. And, you know, we were really trying to figure out how we were going to do this parenting thing and then add on all those other things. Ultimately, though, we decided that we did not wish for him to be an only child. And so we started the process a second time to adopt. And in 2009, our youngest son joined our family. He, too, was adopted internationally, born in Philadelphia. And we brought him home at six weeks old. So we, we, he came to join our family uh, at four weeks old. And we stayed in Philadelphia for a couple of weeks as per the laws there for adoption and then came back home. Uh, So our little family was complete mom, dad, two little boys, and they are beautiful. And again, we started negotiating family life as a special needs parent, uh, but also as a parent of two children now, one who didn't have those disabilities, one who uh, could do a whole lot more, uh, one who got himself into a whole lot more mischief uh, than the oldest. And, you know, life kind of settled in and, and again, things kept progressing. Again, I'm glossing over a lot of the medical difficulties that we had and how much, how many hours, I cannot tell you how many hours we've spent in doctor's offices or at children's hospital, not for emergencies, but that's where our specialists were. And then surgical things. Uh, My eldest has had, he is at the time of this recording, 18, and he has probably had 25 or more surgical procedures done. So I have held my child as he has been put under general anesthetic 25 times at least um, and watched him take that sigh and fall asleep and put all my hopes and dreams in the hands of the surgeons in those operating rooms. Um, And for those people, I am eternally grateful Everything they have done has been in the best interest of my child and our family, and we have been blessed by uh, extraordinary results. And so, again, I'm so thankful to the medical professionals. And so we kind of carried on. Now, again, continuing with the backstory, uh, my husband is a full-time teacher, and at that time, so was I. And so, of course, I was missing an awful lot of work for medical appointments for surgical things, because when your child has surgery, a parent has to move into the hospital to be with them. They cannot be left alone. And um, so we were turn taking as to who was staying in the hospital, who was staying home with our youngest. Once we had two, how are we going to juggle all of that? How are we going to uh, protect our youngest who didn't fully understand what was going on with his older brother at the same time, um, making sure that we were being the voice for our oldest son with the medical professionals because he can't always communicate very effectively what's going on with him. And so we were, we were in a tough spot for sure. And, you know, life just kind of, again, kept on going and we put our heads down and kept moving forward and really just were living moment to moment, day by day, making it work. And then in 2010, we had another change up in our lives, another whammy, if you will, Um, I started feeling quite unwell, uh, not sick, but just really tired all the time. 
Like, wake up tired, be really tired all throughout the day, no matter how much sleep I got or what quality of that sleep, I was just tired the next day, feeling just so drained all the time. And thinking that I'm just not sure what's wrong with me. And ultimately, I got driven literally to the hospital. I drove myself, but I went to the hospital because one day I walked out of my bedroom into my kitchen and I couldn't catch my breath. It was it was like I had run a marathon. And anybody who knows me knows I am not a marathon runner. Um, I was very winded. I was very lightheaded. And I thought something is seriously wrong and I need to go to the hospital. And so I did. I walked into the emergency room. They immediately thought I had cardiac issues and hooked me up to all kinds of cardiac machines. Um, and it turns out that... I was ha going to have a cancer diagnosis. So I had a cervical tumor and I was quite literally bleeding to death and had no idea that that's what was happening. I never experienced any pain. I never experienced anything other than this total feeling of exhaustion all the time and then not being able to breathe. The doctors told me that day in the hospital, they don't know how I walked from the car into the hospital because my hemoglobin levels were so low, I should have actually been dead. And that day I had my very first blood transfusion, which led us again on a number of months journey to find out my total diagnosis. I was in and out of hospital with two small children. Um, my husband had to take time off work. And ultimately, I received six weeks of treatment, and I am super happy to say that that was 2010, and today is 2023, and I'm still kicking around and have had not a single problem since. But you've heard people say this before, having cancer and looking at the potential of not being in the life that you're living changes how you see things. It changes how you how you view what's important. It changes what's important. It changes how you think about the rest of your life. Cause I was young when it happened. I was, I had just turned 40 and I had all my life ahead of me. And during that time, I suddenly didn't, there was the very real possibility that I did not have the rest of my life ahead of me, that this was it. This was where it was all going to end and really thinking about that, which led me to think a lot about my family and, and how important they are to me and the gift that is my two children. Um, they say that adoption is the only time a family starts through sacrifice and sorrow to find joy. And that is absolutely true. Um, and I wanted to... I wanted more. I wanted to be different. I wanted my life to not be the daily grind anymore. I wanted our lives to be filled with joy and adventure and things to look forward to, not things to be afraid of and to handle, which really up until 2010, that's what we were dealing with. So in 2012, in November... I launched my first business. Now, I need to give you the backstory here. Nobody in my extended family has ever been in business for generations. 
So I've had no role models to teach me how to do this. No great uncle or aunt or cousin or sibling to or parent to say, hey, how did you handle this? Or what did you do about marketing that? I didn't have any of that. I was a special needs teacher who was going to do something completely out of my wheelhouse. And it was really, really scary. Um, I, I really wasn't sure if I was making the right move. But I did know this. I wanted to be home with my children more. I wanted less stress around my older son's medical appointments. I wanted to be able to just go there and be with him and not have the which one of us is taking the day off kind of discussion, not have to deal with prepping notes for a substitute teacher and then coming back and finding out that it didn't go in at all the way I had scheduled it. So now I have to go back and redo it anyway. Um, I didn't want to have, you know, the stresses of who's going to pick up one child while the, uh, while someone's in the hospital with the other child. Um, I wanted to, to be present I wanted to be present physically, emotionally, mentally present, not feeling like I was torn in so many different directions. And there was only one way to do that and to keep up a level of income that would allow us to live in a very expensive city. And for those of you who don't know, Canada is a pretty expensive place to live. And I live in one of the most expensive cities in this country. And so we had to be able to figure out a way to replace that income. you for being a part of the living your legacy podcast community in 2022 we can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year we've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you the living your legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots we found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience we'd love to help you get your message out let's discuss this Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. So I launched my business in relationship marketing. Now, why would I do that? Well, you know, at that point I was uh, probably eight, 10 years as a parent. So I was living with people who didn't want to do anything I wanted to do. And I was about 15, 17 years into teaching. So, and I taught high school. So I worked with kids who all day long didn't want to do anything I wanted them to do. So I had grown a certain skill set in getting, following up with people and encouraging them to do the things that are, are important for them but that they don't necessarily always want to or know how to do. And so I launched a business in relationship marketing, specializing in follow-up and loved it. I loved working with business owners because every business to me was new, hearing their story and their journey about how they how they came to be in business, how they came to to the point that they're at, what they were doing for follow-up, what they tried to do for follow-up, what kind of results they'd gotten, and then really encouraging them to be themselves and express their own voices so that their people would come back and bring back others with them so that prospective clients or customers would continue to be prospective clients and customers and that they could have more joy and balance in their own business where they weren't always just chasing the shiny new person, but cultivating and caring for the ones they had. 
And that was a great joy for me. I really enjoyed it. But to circle back, initially I was terrified. I didn't know anything about it. And I thought to myself, like, what are you doing? Total imposter syndrome. What are you doing here? This is not your wheelhouse. But then I had a reality check moment. It's a check yourself kind of thing. And I thought, well, I don't know what I'm doing now, but I do know how to learn. And if I surround myself with successful people in business, and as I am discovering how I can support them, I'm also going to discover a lot of tips and tools about what they do that's successful and what do successful people do and what are the things that they start and continue doing? What are the things that they don't continue doing? And I'm capable of paying attention to all of that and I'm capable of trying new things. So I made the decision to go ahead and try. Now, keep in mind, I was still teaching full time and raising two children and a special needs child at the time. What I discovered, though, is as I fell in love with all this, um, my business started growing and my client base started growing and my income started growing. And so over time, we decided, my husband and I, that we would start reducing my teaching hours. And that's where the real beauty started coming in. Because now I was starting to have the luxury and the gift of that time, the time I was hoping for, the time with my children, the time to um, take my oldest son to medical appointments, the time to take my younger son to school and wave goodbye, which I previously never really had. We had to have before and after school care. So I never saw him cross the threshold of his school. I never got to be there when the teacher released him after after school. Uh, and so here I was now, one of the moms waiting for their children. And I was so excited about that and excited to be able to go on field trips with my older son and my younger son over time. It was really wonderful. And um, again, totally loving this journey. And then, of course, we had another sort of change in our lives. Uh, in 2016, we found out that our entire neighborhood had been rezoned, which meant we were we were originally designated a single family residential. So all of us were living in our own little homes. And we dis we discovered that we were being rezoned for much higher density. So what we decided to do there, as my uh, my older son was was much older, and we were starting to look at what his life is going to look like. He had um, just gotten sort of partway through middle school, and he was headed to high school, and we're starting to think life outside of high school. What is his adult life going to look like? What do we want for him, and how can we make that happen? And that's really where our legacy started at that point, where we started thinking, what do we want? I'll tell you what I know. Services for adults with disabilities, I think regardless of whatever country you live in, are not so great. There's not a lot out there and it's they're hard to find and often they have wait lists to even get in. So I wanted to make sure that my eldest was going to be taken care of in the lifestyle we were building for him for the rest of his life. And then I wanted my youngest son to be given his freedom, the freedom to be himself, to pursue his own dreams, not to be um, saddled, if you will, with 
um, the burden of having to care for his older brother. I wanted them to just be brothers, like other siblings, and not have my younger son feel that he was brought into our home to be the caregiver for his older brother. I wanted him to feel that he had the freedom to be himself and make his own choices. And so how are we going to do that? Again, looking at a teacher's salary, and uh, I mean, our pensions are pretty good, but still our pensions were designed to be for the person who paid into the pension for their lifetime, not for a spouse or a dependent child for their lifetime. So we needed to be able to do something more. And so what we decided to do was we decided to band together with our neighbors and sell our houses in what's called in Canada a land assembly. So we actually assembled a one square block, one city block of all the houses, roughly around 24 when we started. And we marketed our our houses, our property, that city block to developers and um it's a hard thing to do, and it took six years um, to do. I mean, if you've ever tried to get 24 people to agree on anything, you'll have an idea of the difficulty. Now, factor in money on that and how much they should get for their properties. Now you've got a whole other ball game. So my husband was um, the captain of our assembly, the chair, and he you know, connected with all of our neighbors and really worked very hard. And it was a long journey. And and again, if you're listening to this and thinking, that's great, I totally want to do that. You should, but be aware that it is fraught with difficulties and many land assemblies actually never come to fruition. They don't go to completion. You have to really be willing to put in a lot of time and effort to make it happen. And my husband was definitely willing to do that. Because when you sell your house privately, you can get a certain amount of money. But when you sell it in a land assembly, you can get more. Now, again, developers are not a bottomless pit of money. So you're not going to get any pie in the sky kind of numbers like, I want $24 million for my 10,000 square foot lot. Nope, not going to get that. Um, at least not here. Uh, there may be places in the world where you can. But you certainly can get more than if you sold your home privately. So we wanted to to do that. We wanted to pursue that because that was going to allow for the financial freedom that we were hoping for. I had a little bit of time freedom with my business. And like I said, over the last um, 10 years, it's been really growing. Uh, In fact, five years ago, as of this recording, I was down to teaching two blocks of time. So two classes in a high school, I had two blocks of grade 12s. And that year they graduated in June. And so did I, I did not return. And um, now I work solely from home. Uh, I am at home recording this right now. And I am loving this life that I am living by being totally available for my kids. So when either one of my children has an appointment, then we take the whole day and I can do that. I can schedule my day so that I can be that mom that I really wanted to be. And with the land assembly, uh, we knew that we were going to be able to do some pretty exciting things. And then COVID hit. So 2020, COVID closed the world. You all remember this. Um, And what I decided to do during that time was to use that time to start learning about some things because we wanted to do something amazing for our oldest son. 
And that is the legacy that we are living into today. We decided that we would like to buy a home, a house for our child, our son. Now, again, I've alluded to the fact that I live in one of the most expensive cities in Canada. Uh, We vie with San Francisco all the time for which one is going to be the most expensive city in the world. So it gives you an idea of what we're looking at. We would like our son to live in our city with us. That's where his support systems are. I have a vision of being able to go over and have dinner with him or if I'm going to Costco to go into the grocery store, pick up some things and bring it over to his house or have movie nights over there. Like I really envision that. And um, so we really want to do that. But we needed to be able to live into this, to learn about it. We weren't going to have enough money from the sale of our house to be able to to buy another house for ourselves and buy a house for him. So we needed to figure this out. And I thought, well, gosh, if we're going to do this, I should really learn about being in real estate because we're going to be landowners in houses that we, a house we don't live in. So we should really do that. So I took the time over COVID uh, while also homeschooling two kids and supporting my husband um, as he was working, teaching from home um, to learn about real estate investing and to start doing some investing and growing that nest egg. And I discovered a couple of really interesting things. First of all, I discovered that I really enjoyed it. Like this is fun. And this community of people in the investment world are really actually quite extraordinary and keen to work together because that's how in real estate investing, people get ahead and achieve their goals is to work with other people to make it happen in creative ways. Loved it. And of course, I'm learning about all this and I'm talking to my husband about it and I'm attending webinars and seminars and Zoom calls. And I discovered something really interesting. My youngest son started taking a real keen interest in it and asking questions. Now, one of the blessings that we have had from him uh, at the beginning was that um, We had initially given some extra money to the lawyer in the United States where we adopted him um, to pay for some things for his birth mother, um, clothes, maternity clothes and whatnot. And when we got there to to take custody of him, the lawyer informed us that the birth mother had given us the money back and that her words were that she could always go make more money. But this little bit of money she wanted us to put away for our son so that he could have the life she's dreamed of for him. Which is super amazing um, that she would do that because I know she could have really used that money. And so we did. We tucked it away. And so we had this little, little egg growing for him. And he said to me one day, Mama, I'm really interested in this. Could I do this too? And I said, well, yes, we have this little bit of money for you. Let's talk about it. And at the age of 11, my son put his money into his very first real estate deal, which closed successfully and he made a profit. And he took that money in, uh, again, we went through private lending and that's sort of the path we took at the beginning. Um, and then he did a second deal and closed that deal and made a little bit more money. And he's got money now currently in 
three deals. Uh, two are longer term private lending investments that will come due in the next couple of years. And just this past August of 2022, we bought our first rental property. And he has money in that deal and is now at the age of 13 collecting rent. So there's something to be said about living into your legacy and taking your children with you. Um, I never would have thought he would have been interested, but he sure was. And he's really interested in looking at how this vehicle can help him achieve the dreams that he's developing for himself. So I love that. So over the course of COVID, that is what we did. And in 2022, like I said, we, we moved into our dream house. Now, I want to tell you that over the course of my journey uh, into parenthood and parenting my oldest son, who is at the time of this recording, 18, going on 19, that oftentimes I felt that I've been asked to move mountains for him, because of him, uh, and, and to help him. And now I live on top of a mountain with these beautiful views of the city that I hold very dear. And it's been so extraordinarily exciting. We bought our first rental home. We thought, well, if we're going to do this and we're going to buy a home for our son, then we need to know what it's like to be landlords. And we need to learn some lessons around that so that we can get the skill and the expertise because he's not going to be able to handle those situations we're going to have to. And so excited that we have invested specifically for the seed money for our eldest son, um, and for the house that we envision for him. Specifically, folks, this is the legacy I am living into. I would like to buy a house so that my son can live with his best friends. They're all going to need some level of care. And so I want that house to be a place where they don't have to pay anything to be there, that we're going to have that all taken care of for them. And we can hire a living caregiver that will be able to meet their needs. And my son can have the experience that many of us had. I know I sure did. When I moved out, I moved in with my friends for the first awesome and awful time of being together with your friends. Because you know how it is when you live with your friends, you get along one day and maybe not so much the next. And so living together um, in that situation was pretty exciting. And I want him to have it because he wants to have it. Now, we need to make some accommodations for him to be able to have it, but we can do it. And that's the legacy that we are living into right now, this moment as of this call. And along the way, I'll be sharing with you uh, our steps and how we're continuing to grow and learning and stretching to make it happen. And I wanted to include you in our legacy as part of it. You are our community you are our support system. You are the people who send us the most amazing thoughts and thank yous and suggestions and words of encouragement and inspiration. You, you inspire us. And I've met so many extraordinary people who are living their legacies that also inspire me. People who I want to be like. People who I think, gosh, those people are awesome. And that is what led to the creation of the Living Your Legacy podcast. I wanted to share their stories to inspire you too, to tell you that whatever it is you're thinking about doing, you can do it. Whatever it is, that dream, that vision that won't leave you alone, work to make it happen. Pursue it. Take steps. 
learn, grow, stretch, find your people, your community, figure out how you're going to do it and then go out and do it and tell people about it. Because when you do, when I started telling people about my goals and dreams for my son, for both my sons, extraordinary people have come out of the woodwork. People I never would have met before. I have been introduced to the most extraordinary people by the people I've told about the legacy that I'm working to live into. They brought me people because they want to see us succeed. They want to be a part of our story and our journey. And you are all part of that. And I thought today I would just take a few minutes to share with you that, that I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast. I appreciate you leaving that rating and review. I appreciate you, the guests who've come on, who've agreed to come on and share their stories of how they're living into their legacy or how they support people living into their legacy because none of us does it alone, for sure. And thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for asking to hear the stories of my son and our journey. Thank you for encouraging us on the days when it's been overwhelmingly hard. The days where you just don't know if you can put one foot in front of the other anymore. You've all been there. And thank you for being a part of this podcast. And moving forward, there's going to be some more exciting announcements as I've got some more things that I want to launch into and I'll share with you. And that's kind of where we're at. We are, we don't have all the answers, that's for sure. Uh, but we're figuring it out every day. Every day we're learning and growing and trying to look at what's going to be the best fit for us and our family now and moving forward. What's going to be the best thing that we can do for our eldest? How can we encourage our youngest to continue on this journey? You know, we've, we've often said we wish we knew this. 40 years ago, but the reality is knowing it now and learning it now has allowed us to be the kind of parents we really want to be for our youngest son, because he gets to see us learning and growing and thinking and planning and questioning, and then ultimately making decisions for ourselves. And he's enjoying making decisions for himself and watching his money grow and knowing that he can then take that money and start living his own legacies, whatever those are going to be as he as he changes and grows and gets older. So that's kind of it. I encourage you to follow your vision, figure it out, share it with us and let us support you in your choices. I want to thank you again for being the amazing people that you are and allowing us to share our journey with you and supporting us along the way as we get there. And I really want to, to say when we start living into our legacies, we create extraordinary paths for others to follow. Thank you for being a legacy maker. Thank you for being a part of the Living Your Legacy family. Have a great day, everyone. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.